Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about finding the heart of the story in the journey of life. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Judy Wright, otherwise known as Auntie Artichoke. Judy is an expert on parenting and relationships, an international keynote speaker, and an acclaimed author. You can reach Judy at her website, askauntieartichoke.com, where she offers a free ebook. And I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Judy. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited to be able to have you here. Would you explain a little bit about the artichoke? I mean, what makes you anti-artichoke? What is the significance of an artichoke? Actually, our daughter, who lives in, in Salt Lake, Deborah, um, mentioned that to me, suggested it for a logo, because I have, have taught parenting and family relationships with um, the indigenous tribes uh, in Hawaii and also here in Montana. And a lot of the families who are court-appointed come very closed and and prickly. You know, they, they don't want anybody telling them how to run their lives or what to do. And it's only with warmth and with patience that I get them to open up so that I find the heart. And so the artichoke has just been very important to us always. But auntie, auntie is a um, title that's given to a woman who loves unconditionally. And in many, many cultures, um, when children are having problems or there are people who can't have children, they're raised by the aunties and the uncles. And uh, it's just, a, it, it's a wonderful title and I'm, I'm very honored to have it. Oh, that is sweet. Did you earn that when you were in Hawaii then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Love that. My husband was Air Force, career Air Force. Oh, that is exciting. So, so whenever I meet someone and they say, yeah, I'm from there, I say, oh, yeah, we live there. Oh, yeah, we live there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't matter where it is, you lived there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's lovely. Well, thank you. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Now, you're an author. You've written like 23 books on so many different topics, on parenting and on uh, relationships and on how to write and on grief and loss and spirituality and animal-human connection, resiliency and wellness, and welcoming abundance. So you really are just a woman of many, many talents. And today you said you would really like to talk about the importance of writing our own personal story. And if we have some time, I would love to talk on some of those others as well. So why do you think it's so important for us to record our personal memoirs? You know, I just ordered some, I'm just drafting it and ordering a t-shirt that says, live forever, tell your life story. Oh. And, and I've just always had this vision of sitting at People's Market or in the library and just um, using a timer and allowing people to tell me their stories. And, and our, our daughters maintain that I have that written across my forehead anyway. Tell me your whole life story. But, <laughs> but people do. And I think the reason they do is because they know I care. And uh, one of the things in working with death and hospice and so on is most people don't fear death so much as they fear being forgotten. Oh. And... and by writing our life story, it really shares, um, darn, I wish I had that right here in front of me. I, I just got from the, the publisher our copy of our ethical will, 
And that ethical will is um, it's something that goes clear back to Abraham. And it's the sharing of our beliefs and our spiritualities and our blessings for our children and our children's children and our children's children. And so I just got ours back from the printer and we will, we always have a big family reunion and we will hand that out to all of the children and the grandchildren so that they will know that they're never alone ever. And, and they can stand on our shoulders from the experiences we've had and, and grow to so much greater heights. And we're just, um, it's a, I just am a strong believer in sharing your story and sharing what you've learned, sharing your lessons, sharing those living lessons and doing it when you're alive, not when it's in a stupid obituary in the newspaper. Yes. And they're really short anyway. So you can't tell a whole lot. So some of the things I've gleaned from what you've said is it benefits me because I become immortal and I live forever and it benefits who reads it, especially if it is my family, my posterity, because then it gives them some shoulders that they can stand on as they learn from my experiences. Now, as we're trying to write our stories, I know my sister, my parents have have written theirs, and my sister says, I can't get because I'm not done living. So at, at what point, you know, people don't know when to start, or they might say, well, my story's boring. My remember my grandpa, he said, we asked him, you know, what did you do when you were a child? And he said, well, I did the same thing as everybody else. And he wouldn't tell us anymore. So, (laughs) (laughs) so how do you, how do you kind of get over those mental blocks of, well, you know, I'm not dead yet and I have nothing to tell. Well, I, I have to tell you that when I'm teaching a memoir class, there's usually 20 people in there. And of that 20, two will ultimately say, this is so therapeutic. I'm not going to share it with anyone. Oh. I, I am going to burn it. But I needed to, I needed to reframe things that had happened. And of those 20, the women who come in typically are like your sister. And they say, oh, my kids, my sister's bugging me to get this writing this. And, it, and I'll get started. But as soon as the wedding's over or as soon as Christmas is through or as soon as this, and, and they, Tend, well, women tend to think in terms of relationships and, and activities. And the men come in saying, okay, here's what I want to write about. My career as a postal service or my uh, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or my get, almost getting eaten by a shark or something. So they have a purpose and they almost ultimately finish. So the question to your dad was too broad. He, it, 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 it was, that's what he would have said, a, a more, um, a, a, a more answerable question would have been, so grandpa, what did you, what was your favorite breakfast when you grew up? Or grandpa, when you think of the barn on your farm, what kind of smells come back to you? Or, or what are the, uh, what was your favorite part of doing chores on the farm? Or what thing did you just hate that your parents insisted you eat? You know, something that's very, very specific. Then they will tell you. And and in the case of, of my mother, uh, who was living in Salt Lake City, 
what we did was uh, when I tried to talk to her and interview her, she was, oh, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Let's go get Mexican. Come on, I'll treat you to Mexican. I, don't, <laughs> don't make me do this. I, I'm very uncomfortable. And it was intergenerational, and our daughter was filming this. And so I went in and got the box of photos, and I held a photo up and said, tell me about this photo. And then she said, oh, my gosh. And then here came the story. And then, well, who's in this photo? I don't recognize that. Where did this take place? And then here came the stories. So a lot of times if you have, and, and you can do that with your sister even. And one of my gifts to my grandchildren is I always tell their, I always have them come and sit by me. And I say, my life uh, up to age four, or this so far, this is what I've learned by age four, or and then I do it again at eight, and then at 12, and then at 16, they don't want to. But, but it's fun to just capture what they know by four and eight and 12. So there's, you always are learning and, and have a message to share. Oh, that's beautiful. So much wisdom, insight. So by looking at something specific, that was uh-huh. super helpful. Starting with a photo and, uh-huh. and instead of, because I, I think there's a lot of pressure when you say, tell me your story. It's like, what part? I mean, I've lived many, many years and how long do you want to listen? And what's interesting to you and what's going to matter and what's going to impact? And I think some of those things takes a mental reflection of thinking about, well, what did I do? And what is my story? Because just off the top of your head, you don't even know. You're just living day to day. And so if I were interviewing you, I would say, tell me why you decided to start a podcast. Ah, and then we would start from that and say, oh, I start a podcast because I have a story that I want to share and I want to be able to motivate and uplift and inspire people and that's something that I care about. I want to help people be able to overcome their challenges because I've struggled with challenges and then you could go from there. Right. Absolutely. That Absolutely. is fantastic. Okay. Well, that is beautiful. So when you're, when you're teaching your classes and how do they typically publish? Do they just put it in a three ring binder? Do they publish oh. it in the form of a book? What do they, I mean, you can do all kinds of things. What do you typically recommend? Well, uh, all of those, and like my sister, who is 10 years older than I am, and I'm 77, so she's 87, and she says, oh, you've got to write my story. But she wants to tell me about her travels, and her grandkids don't care about what she saw in Venice because they'll see it when they go to Venice. <laughs> so it isn't, it isn't that amazing. But what I taught her to do is take her phone, and push the little button on speech to text and just tell about something she's thought about during breakfast, you know, and so you can, you can do that. And then you have that transcribed or there are those who um, do a book. There are those because now with create space and Kindle, it costs almost minimal like these, um, uh, our ethical wills. I think they're costing about three fifty a piece. Wow. And that's and that's 125 pages. That's impressive. It is. And so you can afford to give it away or you can you can list it on Amazon. I did not think that our ethical will was interesting to anyone except our children. 
and our and their children. But my publisher said, actually, it's it's it is a roadmap for other families. And she said we would like to put it in our in our publisher's catalog. Wow. Said, you know, so so a lot of what we think, like your grandpa, well, isn't that interesting? It really is inspiring to others because they will come to a rough place in the road and they will think, you know, grandpa overcame this. I can too. So I liked when you mentioned like your, your sister and the stories of what you saw in Venice or whatever, that that isn't the part that's going to matter to, no. to, gener- to generations to come. And it sounds a little bit like those those challenges and those personal things that we have yep. overcome, those are the things that are actually going to provide a benefit for the people. So maybe choosing those kinds of things. And also, not everyone is a fabulous storyteller. So how can we kind of kind of work on making it a, a, a better story? Do you know, and, and the thing that's interesting is it doesn't have to be well-written at all or well-done. It just has to be done. Uh-huh. And, and if all your sister can do is uh, her recipe for caramel popcorn, October is here and caramel popcorn. If she just writes her recipe for caramel popcorn and how she came by that and who was around her table when she was making it and... And um, the occasions when she made it, that's enough. That's enough. We don't have to have a book. We don't have to have um, a tribute. We don't have to have something big. Sometimes just writing about one instance is is so important. And I really, in, in each one of our lives, there are pivotal people and there are pivotal times. And, and if you think back to some of your challenges or your... Um, your pivotal time, you will find that that's where you want to focus. You want to talk about that, about what you learned from it. And maybe it was a regret. All of us have regrets. All of us have failed many, many times. And and our grandchildren aren't nearly as interested in what's to see in Venice as they are on what to do if you're pregnant and nauseous. In my mother's life story, she told the story of her mother's mother, who was an herb doctor and who would recommend to um, the women that she worked with that when they were nauseous in the first trimester, that they eat a baked potato with salt. And my mother said, and so that's what she did. And so, of course, that's what we did. And so, of course, that's what I was able to share with my daughters when they were pregnant and didn't feel well. Bake yourself a potato. Put lots of butter and salt on it, and it will make you feel better. And really? it does. And and it, it, does. So, it isn't... Um, that's all I have from that great-grandmother who is an herb doctor. That's all I have. But now every time you eat a baked potato... You're thinking about her. Isn't that crazy? Some of those things that were taught, you know, try this and try that. My sister-in-law was bacon. Bacon was supposed to be out of salt or something. And she was sick and she says, and I threw up even though I ate a bacon cheeseburger. And I thought, wait, what? How is that (laughs) supposed to help? (laughs) So some of the things, some of the things that were passed down are not as useful, but. Right, right. But it's entertaining. 
Yeah, but I think I think what I'm trying to convey is that while it's important that um, we tell that story, a, a, a major story for for me, the story of of a faith faith crisis within the Mormon Church that that had me um, reevaluate and leave that organized religion altogether. That was important for me to tell. Will I share that with everyone? Probably not, because they would then want to argue or they would want to. Um, it's not faith promoting for anyone unless they ask. Interesting. And and the same about having a child that died. Is that something that is stillborn? Is that something that um, everyone will identify with? No. Will people identify with sorrow? Absolutely. Yes. Will they identify with grief? Yes. Will they identify with depression? Yes. Will they identify with methods of coping that I learned? Yes. So the central part of that particular story is, is not the stillborn child. It is the ramifications of grief. And I like you've mentioned a couple times that sometimes the writing of it is for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe that life is lived forward, but it's mm-hmm. understood backward. Absolutely. And if we don't take a look at our lives and what we've done, then we, we don't understand ourselves all the way. So there can be a lot of healing that takes place or a lot of, oh, that's why I do that. Those are called clicky moments, of course. But I, I attended a, a lecture one time with Dr. Daniel Amen, who is a, a world-renowned a brain surgeon or brain, I don't know, psychiatrist or something, but he works a lot with brain plasticity and was talking about how generational DNA affects us and was talking about how if a grandmother in Ireland had died of the potato famine, her, the chances of her great-granddaughters being obese was, and I, I'm just quoting this off the top of my head, but but that DNA is encoded in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so along with why you feel the way you do, sometimes you really do have to look backwards. Mm, and generationally you know, even. There's a book called... Um, it didn't start with you that goes, it talks about the stories that our parents and our grandparents have can literally be encoded in our DNA. It yeah. didn't start with you. It didn't Good start job. with you. Mark, Mark Woland, I think, is the, the author. Okay. I'll look it up. Yeah, Buy it. I think you'd enjoy that one. So let's see. Um, let's talk a little bit about some positive parenting. You obviously have lots and lots of great advice and people come to you and how do you tell them how to be better patient parents? Well, and you know, the interesting thing is um, my husband and I laugh that we don't know if our children are, um, uh, are, are such amazing people because of us or in spite of us. You know? <laughs> and, and as a parent educator, a lot of times people would say to me, Oh, I'd give anything if you had been my mother. And I'd say, no, I would have just made different mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes. And and all we can do is just love unconditionally. 
and tell our children they're loved unconditionally because children do not know that they are loved unconditionally. They honestly think, of course she loves me. I get A's on my history test. Of, of course he's proud of me. I got a, one of the soccer game. So they do not know they are loved unconditionally. And um, it's, it's a different world out there right now, Linda. I, um, the parents are, like everything else, want instantaneous uh, assistance. And so when their child is biting someone in preschool, rather than write a book or, or rather than read a book on raising smart and kind children, which teaches empathy and, and sets up a, a baseline, they Google, how do I stop my child from biting? And, and so they get an instant answer, but it isn't foundational. And so I, I try to write things that will help them see that this isn't just what's happening in the moment is not how it's always going to be. And, and I don't know if you've had teenagers, but I know when our teenagers, we were thinking, you know, one of us is going to end up in the insane asylum. And I'm not sure if it's you or if it's me, but one of us is. But we're going to go together. So we might as well just work it out because this is the way it is. And and those times did not define who they would become. And so I think in, in parenting, the most important thing, I really, really stress to parents when, when they have babies, I stress, read, talk, and sing to your babies. But when they're older, I impress, tell them they are loved unconditionally and tell them they are lovable. Because lots of children don't know that they are lovable. Or they don't know that when people are bullying them at school, that it at their core, they are lovable people. There are those who love them and who will always love them. Wow, that's really good advice. So on your on your website, the Ask Auntie Artichoke, you say um, the more personal the question, oh, the yeah. more universal the answer. I thought Isn't that was really interesting. So why do you think that is? Because let's go back to our stillborn child. You know, uh, it takes a lot of courage for me to share that. And and you may never have had a stillborn child. I did not. And yet, uh, by opening up and being vulnerable uh, about grief and death and everything, it touches the heart of many, many, many people. And so not everyone will have suffered that particular thing. Not everyone will have suffered a, a car accident that left them without, uh, you know, mobility, or uh, we're in a war. But the experiences around it are universal. They're things that they, when you read that particular book of mine, you think, oh, so that's how you overcome that grief. Oh, so that's how you answer when people ask you unkind things or say unkind things without meaning to. Or, oh, so that's how I would deal with this. So it doesn't matter what um, what that little personal message is. Uh, 
it, it has universal ramifications. Very much so. So I like to think that even though our, our life experiences are very different, Absolutely. the emotions and the feelings that we experience are very similar and relatable. And when we allow ourselves to be open about those kinds of things, then it can touch other people's lives and other people's um, experiences. There's, there's a, a point of overlap and connection. Absolutely. And Linda, should you happen to read that uh, the, the little book is called The Christmas Robe because she, she died on um, Christmas Day and my grandmother came back through the veil for her. So it's a very spiritual story and it's one that I only wrote for my family. But should you have read that, you would not necessarily even relate to um, the death of, of that child. But you might relate to, oh, so I'm not crazy thinking someone came back through the veil for my mother. Oh, so that's how it works. You know, oh, for heaven's sakes, I always wondered about that. So those are, you know, they are relatable. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a, a beautiful, intriguing title. You obviously know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and the the story is my husband. Um, we had three little girls under four, if you can believe it. And here I was pregnant, and he gave me a white satin robe for Christmas Eve. And I am always been ashamed. I laughed and said, "Did you not notice? You know, I'm not white satin. I'm corduroy. I'm brown corduroy." Because, uh, and he said to me, "You'll always be white satin." And oh. so then when she, uh, you know, when I felt the spirit leave her, and then when I ultimately delivered her two weeks later, which was a, a, a choice between us and the doctor when I delivered her, then he was able to bring me the robe to wear in the hospital. And while I didn't have a baby to hold, I, I was surrounded by love. I'm glad. I'm glad you felt surrounded by love. Because yeah. we always need that, but especially in times of grief, we need to feel that that warm embrace of love. And aloneness. Aloneness, yeah. Very much so. Wow. Okay, well, thank you so much for visiting with me today. I have enjoyed spending time with you. You know, Linda, we could go on for hours and hours and hours. I know, and I would enjoy <laughs> every minute of it. <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to looking up your podcast. I'm intrigued that you do them on Zoom, but but they're still just an audio? I do both. So I have a YouTube channel with the video, and I also have the audio. So you can find me at lindascornerpodcast.com. Look that up, and you'll say, oh, there's some of them. Okay, I see this. All right, I will go look you up. Thank you. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Jeanette Wall. She said, Memoir is about handing over your life to someone and saying, This is what I went through, this is who I am, and maybe you can learn something from it. Today, I invite you to record your story so that someone else can learn something from you. See you next time on Linda's Corner. <laughs>